It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Reds Podcast. I'm your host, your cheap seat crony, your bench jockey with a beer. My name is Jeff Carr, bringing you the Reds every day. For today's phone in Friday, I am once again sitting here with Mr. Mo Egger. Mo, how you doing? I'm well, man. What's going on? Not too no? much. I would tell you the yesterday was pretty good. You know, it's spring training <laughs> baseball, so and we're recording this on a Monday, but the Reds really hit a bunch of homers, but then also FC Cincinnati, and of course UC won in the tournament. Good day for Cincinnati sports, huh? It's hard to say. Yeah, that. we don't have many of those. It's very good. nice to see. I know that you. Are back. Uh, I guess it's been a week now since you went out to Arizona. Two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. How was yeah. that? Uh, it's my favorite week of the year. Um, you know, I used to go to spring training when it was in Sarasota, mm-hmm. and the, the Goodyear Arizona experience I think is a thousand times better. Uh, not necessarily because of Goodyear itself, but um, spring training out there is is cool. Nice. It's cool. Yeah. Highly recommend it. Never been myself. Is it nice, uh, nice complex and all that stuff. Complex is great. It's um, it's a little remote. Uh, in, in fact, it's it's adjacent to an airplane graveyard. Oh wow! Um, and for a variety of factors, although it was a little bit better this year, um, the games are relatively sparsely attended. Mm-hmm. You know, if you consider. The Cubs have been training out there for years, and you know the White Sox have been training out there for years, and the Giants and. Um, it's those teams, Chicago, maybe not so much are, are a lot closer in proximity and mm-hmm. they play in parks that are a little bit more centrally lo- located, I guess. But, um, the facility is great and you can, you know, the, the, to me, the coolest thing about spring training is going to games, but it's also visiting the complex and you can go back and watch workouts and sometimes even a B game or something like that, minor league games. But yeah, it's awesome. It, it's, they really, really have done a nice job and, uh, there's a different feel there. There's, I mean, I, I think that stuff is cliche, but I, there is certainly a different vibe uh, being there this year as opposed to the you know previous couple of years. I was going to say, I know it's kind of a overused <clears throat> term whenever you're talking about spring training or training camp or anything like that, but what sort of takeaway did you get from the workouts and the games and just the vibe around the team? So, you know, we always take a day where we go to a game at 1 o'clock, but mm-hmm. we, we go back towards the backfields at like 9 a.m., which is when the real work is done. Mm-hmm. And we, we've done this every year for, for years. And uh, usually a lot of guys in our group are shaking off hangovers from the night before. <laughs> um, and, and typically it's really re- relaxed and really loose, mm-hmm. and it kind of feels like, Guys are just out there getting their cuts in. We watched two full-blown high school-esque baseball practices. Okay. There's two different fields they're working on, and it it had the feel of uh, something a lot more serious. It, it had the feel of something that actually had a purpose besides let's put on the uniforms and go out and take some BP. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what that's going to translate into, and, and maybe I'm making too much of it, but it, it felt a lot more serious. It felt a lot more business-like. It felt like there was actual work being done. Now, 
this was just one day compared to one day last year compared to one day the year after that, but it felt different. And just running into people who have, who have been there almost every single day. And I said, boy, this just feels and looks different than, than when I've come in the past. They all sort of confirmed that, that, Hey, if you come here every day, you get a sense of, I think things are a little bit more intense. Things are a little bit more organized. Um, and there's a purpose behind what they're doing. And I think all of that is a result of a, a new manager and a different coaching staff. And I also think B there's, there's a sense of pressure on this organization to turn things around. And while it appears that they have, when you look at the roster and the off season they've had, I think they understand that the results um, have to follow. And if not, there could be a shakeup, whether it's in the front office, whether it's with players, whatever it is. But yeah, it's it's different, and and I think it's a, a better kind of different. And you know, we'll see what that means once the uh, the games, the the real games, actually start. Sure. And kind of looking at the way that these new guys they came in, and you saw Alex Wood and guys like that making social media posts about this is a new team, new direction, all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. You really felt like it was more substance than just window dressing? I do think it's more substance. Look, there, there's a lot of guys on this team that have a lot to prove. I mean, the number of players who aren't guaranteed to be here after 2019, I think has created individually a lot of pressure to have a good year, and the team can only benefit from that. Sure. If you're Alex Wood and you don't know where you're going to be pitching next year, you're pitching for a contract. If you're Yasiel Puig, you're playing for a contract. Matt Kemp is playing for a contract. Scooter Jeanette's playing for a contract. Uh, Tanner Roark, David Hernandez, you know Jared Hughes. There's a lot of guys on this team who are either playing for contracts or they're playing to kind of solidify their own position within the organization. If you're a Scott Shebler or a Jesse Winker, you have competition. Now, you have one of the deepest outfields this team has had in a very long time, but, well, if they do keep Puig around and Senzel's going to play center and, you know, at some point there's going to be an odd man out. I think with Joey Votto specifically, there's I think he feels and will react to the, 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 the internalized pressure that he creates of, you know, being the best he can be, but also he's still the most important guy on this team because he's the one who's guaranteed to be here the longest, making the kind of money he's making. I think that carries with it um, pressure. I think with a guy like Nick Senzel, it's the pressure to prove that you belong. So I think when you add up all those things, plus, you know, the, the front office finally went out and did something. It's one thing to finally go out and do something. It's another thing to go out and do something and have it translate into wins. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I think all that adds up to a team that realizes that individually the results have to be really good and collectively the results have to be better than they have been or else, you know, some things that maybe we don't want to talk about are, are, are going to happen when next offseason begins. Sure. And, and you mentioned the outfield, um, did you get a feel? Because, it's, you know, it's funny. David Bell came out and said who his starting rotation was rather early. Yeah. Have you gotten a feel for what they think the outfield's going to look like? No. I don't think they know. I mean, I I, I think they have I, – I genuinely believe they're open to the idea of Senzel starting the season in center field. Let's hope. In Cincinnati. <laughs> and I, I think they – they're – if he's not here, I genuinely take Dick Williams at his word that it will not be because of service time considerations. I okay. just don't think that that's what they're going to do. It may be Philip Irvin deserves a spot on the team and it's going to come at the expense of Nick Senzel. It may be we want to carry 
so many pitchers and it's going to come at the expense of Nick Senzel because we have other guys who could play the position. It may be that in the final two weeks or a week and a half of spring training, Nick Senzel falls off a cliff and they determine that he's just not ready to start the season in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the obvious wild card. They they traded for Yasiel Puig to play him, but you know we're not talking about somebody who's been an every single day player for most of his career. Right. Um, I I don't know. I remember a year ago when when we were doing the whole you know four outfielders for three spots thing, thinking we're overthinking this because usually it's going to make sense who should play. Yeah. You know, either it's a guy is injured, which Shebler got hurt right off the bat last year. Or this particular guy is struggling, or this guy has had this much success against this starting pitcher, this guy's riding a hot streak. Like I think for the most part, it's going to be pretty easy to determine who should play mm-hmm. on on a daily basis. I look at it from the standpoint of how much better this team's bench is. Oh yeah, I mean, like Scott Shebler hit thirty home runs in a season. He's coming off your bench, mm-hmm. or Matt Kemp was an All Star last year. He's, you could argue, should have won the MVP the the year that Ryan Braun won it. He's on a daily basis coming off your bench or on an individual day basis coming off your bench. Yassiel Puig one day could be coming off your bench. Jesse Winker, who I think is going to be a high on base percentage guy, he could be coming off your bench. Nick Senzel, who I don't think will be benched often, but he could be. I mean, there's like this team's depth, which matters so much more because you're taking pitchers out earlier than ever before. and. They're probably going to play in a lot of close games. Like their depth could win them baseball games this year. When's the last time you could say that? Not but in much. terms of how the pieces are going to fall, you know, I, I don't really think they know. But but I don't I, I, I don't I don't think it's a hey here's who the the three outfielders are going to be. I, I just I think there's going to be some degree of either rotation or allowing that day's circumstances dictate who's going to play. That's been an interesting part of what I've been discussing with different people on Twitter is that who's going to be that three outfield like unit yeah that they've got because they're talking about Matt Camp why isn't he why won't he start or why won't Shebler start and it's like it's a great problem to have yes like it's not something that I'm looking at like oh boy the Reds boy they really got a tough one here they got a great decision to make because at least on paper right now here in March it looks as if whoever the three are they're doing all right yeah it- chances are that on a random Friday night, who's ever playing right field isn't, uh, you know, oh for his last 21, you know? I mean, ch- chances are whoever whoever's playing on a random Wednesday isn't, you know, uh, on a, a three-week stretch where they're hitting 150. Right. It, it, and if so, that's going to mean the entire outfield stinks. Yeah. So usually I would think you're going to have either – an easy decision about this guy. He should play tonight because he's owned the other team's starting pitcher. Or this guy's, you know, eight for his last 20, and we're not going to sit him now. Or, hey, this pitcher's really tough on righties, and so, you know, we're going to try to get in um, as many left-handers as possible. I I, I genuinely think, and, and I thought this last year, we made such a big deal about it, and if you go back, you were sorting between a center fielder who's a below-average offensive player, yep. and a guy in Adam Duvall who, frankly, is probably a best-suited coming off the bench. Right. You know, that's and, – and Jesse Winker was a huge wild card. We didn't know what he was going to be. He's certainly more established now. And this year, it's it's a little bit of a, a wealth of, of riches. Now, we'll see come July 31st who's still on this team. 
We'll obviously see come opening day next year who's still on this team. But but I kind of feel like usually we're going to be able to determine who should be playing the outfield. And I think what David Bell does with who plays the outfield will, for the most part, make a lot of sense. We'll take a quick pause in the conversation with Mo Egger here on this phone it in Friday. Just a reminder to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and now the new app that the Locked On Sports Podcast Network has partnered with, Himalaya. Just like the mountains, the Himalayans, this is a great podcast with a very easy-to-use interface. It is a great app for podcasts. Definitely check it out. There's all sorts of great podcasts, including this one, that are available on Himalaya. Make sure you download that on your smartphone today and subscribe to the podcast on the Himalaya app. So, we'll get to a few ads, and then we'll get right back to the conversation with Mo. You're listening to the Locked on Reds podcast. It's funny you mentioned it right there at the end. How serious do you think them changing the hard and fast July 31st trade deadline is, at least for the 2019 Reds? So, I like the idea of... I, I, there's, here's what I like about it. For, for the Reds specifically, I, I, it's, a little, it's tough, because what I, what I wish they would do with the rule... Why am I talking into this microphone? <laughs> I uh, what I what I wish they would do with the rule is say, okay, we're going to have one trade deadline, which is what they have in all the other sports, but just move it back. Yeah. Because I think it's possible the Reds are in a place leading up to July 31st where it's really hard to determine if they're in it or not. Sure. You know, July 31st, there's still two a third of the season still in front of you. So what I wish they would do is slide it back at least two weeks, maybe August 15th, to give teams more clarity Right. With where they are, what you don't need, you don't need more trades. You need more teams making good decisions, and to me, giving a team two weeks more of information gathering allows them to make good decisions. So, one of the things that I think is most interesting about this team is going to be in the run up. You know, maybe from the All Star break to July thirty first, or from July first to July thirty first, does it become crystal clear they're in it or not? My guess is maybe a little of both. Right. Where mathematically, you know what? They're five games out of the wild card. They haven't been this close. All, you know, still two months to go. Go for it. Realistically, they might have a couple of teams to leapfrog. They're probably not good enough to catch who's in front of them. And so, do you sell parts off? Mm-hmm. So, from that standpoint, I wish the deadline would be slid back to August 15th or maybe even August 31st. Um, at the same time, I do think what it does is. It puts a premium on building the best possible team in the offseason, yep. which is something people have complained baseball teams aren't doing. You've got to build the best 25-man roster you can, or I guess 26-man roster you can in the offseason because you're only going to have till July 31st. Right. You're not going to have that extra month to sneak deals through. But in terms of the Reds, I think it's going to be – I mean, one of the most interesting things about this team is – how many guys who are on this team right now get dealt on July 31st? Or if they're in it, what pieces are they willing to move on from mm. to get better now? I mean, it's one of the things we talked about this offseason. You want to trade for Corey Kluber? You're going to have to give up a lot. You want to trade for JT Real Muto? You're going to have to give up a lot. They didn't do that this offseason. Are they going to be in a position where it makes sense for them to do that July 31st? Or are they going to be in a position where you go, you know what, we're, tr- we're, we're trading Puig, we're trading Jeanette, we're trading Wood. We're trading as many of these guys who aren't guaranteed to be here uh, as possible, or are they kind of caught in the middle where they do nothing. 
Um, and I, if the deadline was a little bit later, maybe they'd have more more of a chance to really be crystal clear as to what direction they should go in. Kind of what I'm thinking, kind of what you said there, and especially with the projections for the division and how <clears> it may end up, it almost sounds like there's going to be a lot of teams just standing pat, keeping cool, maybe not figuring out if they want to sell off. I mean, there might be some guys who prematurely sell off because they want to save a few bucks. Yeah. But like in the Reds' case, I almost wonder if they've got to have a hard and fast deadline even before the 31st where like, all right, this is where we got to know what we want to do. That way we're not stuck July 30th and being like, what do we do? I think, though, that's easier said than done. I mean, you know, because number one, there's a hell of a lot of baseball to be played between now and then. Right. N- number two, you, you don't know what the dynamic, uh, what the nature of the division is going to be. You don't know who's going to be good, who's not going to be good. I mean, do you say, look, if by, Jul- if by July 15th we're at 500, we're going all in? Mm-hmm. Or do you go if by July 20th we're you know less than three games out of first place or less than four games out of the wild card or something. I'm just throwing out numbers. We're going to go ahead and, and be all in. I don't know. I I don't know. I know I go back to 2014 and we spent a couple of weeks leading up to the deadline kind of openly wondering, is this team in it or not? Right. And I remember at the time going, not like they're not good enough. But you could look at the standings and go, eh, you know what? You owe it to your fans to do something. And instead the Reds did nothing. Right. Uh, I think that would be the worst thing, doing nothing. Um, and and so, you know, hopefully they're so good that it's obvious uh, they should go get a piece to push them over the top. Uh, I don't think it's going to be – I don't think they're going to be so bad like they have been the last couple of years where come July 1st it's almost an inevitability they're going to make trades. But I, but I do think it's it's going to be interesting to pay attention, I think more so next off season to see how teams react to having just one deadline because are they going to – really work harder to get the team better going into the season, knowing that there is less of an opportunity to make the team better during the season. That's a good point. Let's shift our focus. We're, what, 10 days? Yeah, 10 days away. 10 days away. From opening day. At time of recording, going to release, I think it's about six days away. Um, when it comes to opening day, a couple of thoughts. Yeah. Who do you think right now is going to be the opening day starter? I mean, I know it's not like the hugest of deals because it's game one and yeah. game 162, but there is a lot of pomp and circumstance behind it, and who do you think the Reds give that nod to? I would give it to Luis Castillo because, okay. to me, he's the guy who still has the best chance of fitting the profile of staff ace. Yep. And I think um, a nod towards that might help him. I think he still has a chance to be their best pitcher. He has been here for a while. He obviously hasn't been here as long as uh, Di Sclafani. And I think as much as we've talked about these other pitchers the Reds have, the guy who has to take the biggest step forward is Luis Castillo. Mm-hmm. And so to me, I, I like kind of the message that sends of, hey, this is this is a guy that this year, 2019 is huge for him because 2019 is huge for us. Yep. I mean, and, and I do think it's a really, really big year for him because it's not like he's 21 years old. You know, he's been around for a little while now. We're looking to see that major leap forward. And we've seen incremental steps. So maybe you kind of send the message that, hey, 2019 is the year where Luis Castillo has to take a major step forward. And symbolically, what bigger step forward is there than you're going to go from a dude who's in the middle of the rotation to a guy who's our opening day starter. And if you look at the long line of guys who have been Reds opening day starters, that is a pretty impressive list. So to me, you're telling Luis Castillo the assignment that always went to Johnny Cueto while he was here, that's now your gig. 
uh, I think there would be some significance to, to doing that. Well, Mo, I appreciate your time, man. Let of me course. talk with you some more about baseball real quick yeah. before we get you out of here. Mm-hmm. I know you said you'd follow up. Do you know about how ballpark, how many T-shirts you got? Oh, <laughs> you know what? I meant to look up. Uh, so here's the deal. I am. Uh, we're redoing our closet and bathroom at our house. Okay. And so I have to take everything out of the closet and put it all in a bed. When mm-hmm. I do this, I will count them. Okay. I did just order my new Reds jersey. Nice. I got a Wait. Dave Parker okay. 1985 Reds jersey from Cook Sporting Goods. That's nice. Because I've got the gray Reds Barry Larkin World Series jersey. Yep. And uh, there's just something about that white pullover that looks clean, and I love Dave Parker. Yeah. And, uh, you know, who's going through some health issues. Um, and, and so I'm going to, uh, yeah, I ordered the white. I'm not going to have it in time for opening day, but that's all right. Uh, number 39, 1985 Dave Parker jersey. So, like, if I when I go to games this year, it's going to be that. You'll see that more than you do any T-shirt. But I got a lot of damn T-shirts. A lot of damn T-shirts. <laughs> well, Mo, I appreciate it, man, and I uh, hope to talk to you again soon. Anytime, man, man. That's going to wrap us up on this phone-in Friday, and it's going to wrap up the week here on Locked On Reds. We This is the last week without regular season baseball. It is very, very, very nice to say that. I am so pumped for next week. We got a day that, I mean, in the city of Cincinnati, it's like Mo said, we're the one that shuts down for this whole thing. It's Christmas Day to us. I just can't wait. We got a full week of awesomeness planned for you next week. Looking at talking to Joel Luckupt, the statistician for Reds Broadcasts. And we've got a few other things planned as well. So I'm excited to bring that to you. But until then, make sure that you have a great weekend. Subscribe to the podcast on the many platforms, including the new one on Himalaya. And make sure you remember that you can activate the Locked on Reds podcast via your smart device in your car or wherever that you may be. Just say, hey, smart device, play podcast Locked on Reds, and it'll pull right up. Hope you guys have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you again on Monday. This is the Locked On Reds podcast. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.